Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1 zu 0 für den VfL Bochum. Da draußen ist der Ball frei. Und jetzt ist er drin. Jetzt ist er drin. Und hier ist Botzen, macht das Tor. Trist ist wieder da. Größer ist da. Für Rausch. Der setzt an zur Flanke. Da kommt der Ball. Tor, 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 Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the Zweite Bundesliga podcast with me, Johnny Walsh. Today I am once again joined by the wonderful Matthew Karagic. Matthew, how are you doing? Very good. Pleasure to be on once more. We're very happy to have you on. I say we as if there's a person beside me, but alas, there is not. Uh, we're going to keep it short and sweet this week, folks. It's uh, the English week, of course, which means plenty of games and plenty to talk about. But given how busy we know you are and that we are as well trying to get all of this covered and wrapped under a neat little bow, uh, we're going to go for something a little bit shorter. So for uh, this episode, which is being recorded on Monday, we will also do one on Friday morning. Uh, We're going to try and keep it to about half an hour. No talking points, no goal of the week, um, as I'm sure you will know, uh, because there is no... uh, polls on our twitter account and yes we do finally have a twitter account so uh we'll notify you of that at the end of the podcast just so you can keep up to date with everything that is going on but yes we're going to keep it short and sweet uh no talking points no goal of the week we're just going to discuss uh in this case the results on match day six and look ahead to what is to come on match day seven which is split across tuesday wednesday and thursday But, Matthew, I think even though it isn't or didn't make uh, our Group 1 games this week, I think there is only one place that we can start, and that is in Hamburg. Yeah, an absolutely extraordinary game. And uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who would have predicted this as the result. And, um, wow, (laughs) words words can really not describe how poor Hamburg were, but how clinical in front of goal Regensburg were. It was an incredible game, and what makes it even more incredible is I'm saying that after only watching 45 minutes, um, I missed all of the first halves of these games, so I had to go back and watch them all, but um, that was not a problem given how many goals were scored. It was uh, an unbelievable weekend in general, but this game was just something else. I mean, Aaron Hunt missed a... um, a penalty towards the end of the first half that could have been crucial. Philip Pinka managed to save that one. It was a really poorly hit penalty. And Matthew, I think that spot kick sort of summed up Hamburg on the day. Yeah, they they, they were very dreadful. And uh, but we shouldn't we shouldn't take anything away from Regensburg who came with a game plan. Um, they took their chances, even if they were gift wrapped to them. Uh, the opening goal was all at the thought of Julian Polisbeck tr- just trying to do too much. Um, you know, we see goalkeepers are now more able in terms of you know using their feet, playing with possession. But sometimes just just do the basics, clear the ball out, um, and he does too. He tries to do too much, and he gets punished. And those 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 two incidents really summed up what was a very dogged day for Hamburg. 
It was uh, one to forget for Pollersbeck as well, and uh, the defence in general. Really, it was um, it was a really really poor performance, and I think that Hamburg are going to learn a lot from this, and maybe Christian Tietz as well. That um, he can't continue to rotate in the way he has, leaving David Bates out when he's been in the side. Uh, has have only conceded once this season. That wasn't the opening day against Kiel, and since then it has been nothing but clean sheets. Do you think he is the key to keeping that defence organised, or is it just a happy coincidence that when he's played, uh, uh, when the ginger Ramos has taken to the field, Hasfau haven't managed to concede? It could be a bit of both, but it almost seems like he gives them a little bit more stability. I mean, playing Leo Lacroix has clearly not worked in the two games he's played. They've at home they've conceded seven goals, and that's um, to teams that are not extremely good at away from home, yeah, that's just not good enough. So I think ultimately they're going to have to bring Bates in. It's fine to rotate, but you know, at the rate Teets is rotating, it's certainly disrupting the squad in some way. And, and uh, you know, we're getting results like this, where which are, which are right out of left field. So we'll see. But um, I think Bates has to come back in for their next game. It's almost like um, London buses with uh, Sergei Sadamian, uh doesn't score all season, pops up with one, pops up with two, and, you know, just to go one and over the average and and the adage, uh, he goes and grabs a third in the first half. It was an incredible display from him. A little bit of help with the second goal on that deflection, but otherwise um, some very clinical finishing. This is more what we're used to with him, Matthew. Yeah, um, we probably also would expect Marco Grutner to... I've chimed in, but uh, it was Adam Young's day. He was he was spectacular. He was clinical in front of goal. He was dynamic going forward, and he was a he was potent from minute one. And um, you know, in truth, Regensburg have needed someone to find the back of the net with regularity. And the question is now: Can he continue that form going forward? Yeah, it's um, going to be a big ask. But um, in terms of away form and in terms of uh, guys getting goals, I think that. Um, it's uh, one to watch, and uh, maybe we can start and see Jan climb the table, but uh, they have a tricky English week ahead, and uh, we'll see how that goes for them. But from Hamburg, we will make the trip down to Bielefeld as uh, they took on Union Berlin. That finished 1-1. Uh, Matthew, what did you make of that game? It was a pretty even game. Um, overall, I think both teams might be a little bit disappointed. I think Bielefeld started to get on top um, in the second half. But, um, yeah, I think it was a bit of a fair result. Neither team really stood out from the crowd. Um, the opening goal is one that the Bielefeld defence will uh, want to cover their eyes for. It was a shocker. Um, but, you know, redeemed thanks to Vogelsammer, who was, you know, quite solid um, throughout the contest. Yeah, he put in a, a really good performance. I thought Neil Seifert um, did very well too. Uh, wonderful ball in from Cedric Brunner as well. We can't forget that for... Uh, uh, Vogelsammer's header but um, yeah it was a, a disappointing goal for Armenia to concede but still it was a quite promising performance and if they do keep playing like this Matthew they are going to start and climb the table yeah that we, we do think that and you know they've got a good squad around them it's all about you know feeding the front men and, and the likes of Vogelsammer and Fabian Klaus and and they've shown throughout the season glimpses of what they can do um but i think at times they just don't show it consistently enough 
Um, but overall, um, they would be happy they've taken the point, but disappointed that they once they equalised, they weren't able to go ahead and take the winner. Yeah, it was a, a strange old game, but I think um, overall a draw was probably a fair result. And of course, Union are now the only remaining side of Bundesliga side that are still unbeaten uh, heading into match day seven, heading into this English week. How long do you think that's going to last? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we've put we put the mocker on um, FTEC on um, last week in the in the sense that we got asked the question. So they'd go unbeaten, and the following week they would lose. And um, yeah, depends. I mean, it's de- it'll depend on their consistency going forward. Um, if they can stay tight at the back, and a bunch of other footballing cliches will have to happen for them. But yeah, it's we'll see. It we'll see how they go. Just take it one game at a time. I think Union have definitely improved this season. It's a case of have they improved enough to get a, an advantage over their opposition and uh, one of those sides who will be their opposition hopefully come the end of the season is VfL Bochum they picked up a 2-2 draw away at Holstein Kiel Matthew it looked so so good for 90 minutes and then in the 91st minute who should pop up with the goal but Yanni Lucas yeah it's um it's a funny football is a funny game and uh a guy who hasn't scored all season in the league and he uh Put, happens to be in the right place at the right time and um, yeah, breaks Borkham's heart because uh, obviously the wind would have put them top of the table. So frustrating for Borkham because they had the lead twice uh, through Hinterzier and uh, Tommy Violand, who would have been more than happy to score against uh, uh, his lone club last season. But um, yeah, I think really disappointing that they not once but twice coughed up a lead and uh, allowed Kiel to, to snatch a point when it seemed that Borkham were, were better for longer stretches. It's nice to actually be disappointed that we've drawn 2-2 Ed Keel after last season losing 3-0 there in what was an absolute shambles of a performance, but um, that was a, a result that very quickly went out of my mind. That said, uh, I think Keel were probably worth a point in the end. Uh, their chances were probably better than Bochum's, although Bochum, as you say, did control the game for stretches. And uh, I think it was a fair result at the end of the day. But, Matthew, where do you see Keel? Uh, we, we spoke about this last week and we're, we're struggling to place them. Has this game given you any more indicators of whether they'll be perhaps pushing for promotion or will they maybe happy to uh, settle for mid-table? I don't think relegation is going to be of any concern to them this year. No, I I think mid-table at the moment, I think we might get a better idea at the end of the English week um, when uh, the table kind of uh, stretches out a bit as the contenders rise and and we'll see those fall away. Um, their, Their performances have been a bit odd. They've had games where they've controlled the tempo like uh, last week against Fur and they, they were batted 4-1 and in games where they had better chances on the weekend but they more or less had less of it um, they looked a lot better so they're, they're very they're in a very odd position but I think they're not quite ready to challenge under Tim Walter more mid-table but again you know a, a string of positive results in midweek and um, and on the weekend could show that they might be up for the fight for promotion once more I think that and the fact that they are out to prove so many people wrong who had tipped them for relegation come the start of the season has been a big motivating factor and so far at least uh, they are doing 
just that and two sides who we didn't expect to be embroiled in uh, an early season fixture where both were fighting for points for the wrong reasons and that was to keep both managers in their jobs uh St. Pauli managed to come out 1-0 winners against Ingolstadt and uh, that did cost Stefan Leitl his job uh, after just about and a year exactly in charge of the club. He has been sacked and um, we don't look any closer to finding a replacement. Jens Keller had been rumoured and uh, the same with Marcus Weinziel but doesn't look like it's going to be either of those two guys taking charge. There's been rumours of Uwe Neuhaus possibly taking the reins. But Matthew, it's not a great situation for one of the teams. And the team that I had down to be the biggest threat to both Köln and Haasfau in terms of trying to get promoted. Yeah, I think we've we've um, beaten the dead horse a bit this season. You know, about talking about how they've spent a lot of money throughout the transfer window. They've got a good squad, um, but their lack of consistency, uh, inability to, to find the back of the network. And yeah, they're, they're in uh, all sorts at the moment. I think the change needed to happen. Um, they need a fresh face in the club. It, it's, it was evident that Lido couldn't get the best out of the players on a consistent basis. Um, and I think their last weekend, the result at Borkham, I think that, really showed a lot um you know obviously they were a little bit better on the weekend but they just couldn't break down a very resilient St. Pauli defense who looked to have regained their mojo they certainly did and I think as much as they did lose 3-1 to Utskabika Awa last weekend I think that is in no small part down to the performance of Marvin Knoll in the center of midfield he is a true destroyer and uh, he lived up to that uh on the weekend uh, a really good win for them and uh, absolutely excellent even though some people maybe aren't the biggest St. Pauli fans there might be some Haas Foul fans listening to the podcast I hope there is anyway but um, it was great to see Rio Miichi uh, score after such a long time out yeah absolutely and it's it's one of those stories that you know you, you kind of feel really good about when uh, a player you know he's been out for a while he's struggled to get into the team and he gets an opportunity and he takes it with uh, with both hands and um, yeah it makes you feel really good about it and and obviously really good for St. Pauli who the last three games they've been um, you know shipping goals like uh, like no tomorrow but um, positive result and now they can look forward to the next two fixtures obviously on the weekend they've got Hamburg in the derby so they'll have that one penciled in as a real uh, a big clash but you know ultimately just to get back into winning ways uh, is really important for the team. That was Miyaichi's first goal since the final day of the 2015-16 season. So it's been a long, long wait for him. And we're really happy to see him back, of course, as you do say, Matthew. It'll be interesting to see if he can have any say in that big derby game on Sunday. But uh, for now, our focus is on match day six. And uh, our final uh, game of this little roundup in terms of the group one games of match day six involves Köln against Sandhausen. A 2-0 win for the away side in what was not a classic performance, but a better performance, especially in defence. Yeah, um, it, it was It's one of those games where, you know, you have to grind. I mean, Sandhausen always... Tricky opponent to play against, especially at home. They're very well disciplined defensively, and they were very, you know, they 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 pushed Kelnan. Uh, uh, it obviously took 
a fortunate bit of luck to open the scoring through Louis Schaub. Um, it's, a, it's a quality bicycle kick, even if he shinned it. Uh, they all count the same. And obviously, um, the second goal coming through Simon Toronto, who, you know, he proves our point every week. I think um, when he plays, he, he just pops up. He knows where the goals are. And, um, yeah, he's extraordinary. Just um, his ability to get in the right place at the right time. And, and you know, when they feed him, uh, good things happen. He is the best player in the world. There is no doubt about that. And I think if uh, Louis Schaub did shin that bicycle kick, it's one of the best shinners I have ever seen. It was um, to take it on the chest when it was behind him and then to somehow fall over and still manage to bicycle kick it at the same time was... um, It was fortunate, let's not lie, but at the same time it was pretty spectacular and uh, one that he won't forget for a very, very long time and I'm sure the Coombe fans will back that up. Uh, They're top of the league again, Matthew. Do you see that sticking through the the English week? I think they're going to be uh, pretty hard to knock off their perch again. Yeah, I think they um, they would have learnt a lot. I mean, keeping the clean sheet was really important for them because they've looked very shaky defensively and... And at patches in this game, they were stretched. I mean, Timo Horn made some good saves. Um, and it, it's one of those things where a better side going forward, no offense to Sennhausen, but um, a better side would have taken those chances. So, and, and that's, you know, that, that's the luck of having one of the best goalkeepers in the league is when teams come forward, he's able to make those good saves. And I think without good goalkeeping, um, for Köln and obviously having a stable defence they wouldn't be where they are obviously Simon Toronto's goals are really important but you know you know offence wins you games but defence wins you the title so uh, having a good mix of that is going to help so but I think they'll stay where they are What did you think of Sennhausen's performance on that note then do you think uh, this is another sign of them turning the corner that picked up two draws previously of course didn't manage to get anything from this game but for essentially the entirety of the first half they were very much on a level with Köln yeah I thought they looked actually quite decent going forward I mean um, they've been quite luckless in finding the back of the net they've had some really good chances but as I said before good goalkeeping has kept them on the level um, which is which is goalless um, I thought uh, Rui Gislason was quite good he was very lively in the first half and um yeah, they're just little signs, little baby steps. But um, you know, the problem is they need to start making some leaps and bounds. Otherwise, they're going to be left behind, and they don't want to be in a situation where they're entering the latter parts of the season and they're embroiled in the bottom two, and they need kind of a miracle to get out. But again, there are signs, but they need to start progressing. That was a look back at the first set of games that we picked out for you on Match Day 6. And now it's time to do the same for the second set. And uh, don't worry, we've not scrimped out on the goals for you. We're starting with a 4-1, which uh, saw Dynamo Dresden pick up a very much needed home win against uh, Darmstadt. Uh, Matthew, great for Dynamo and great for Musakone as well. Two goals. Yeah, he's finally scored and... uh... I mean, you could tell. You could have a look at the relief on his face. He's uh, he's worked very hard, um, and you know he's been worth his goals. And finally, he's been able to convert them. Uh, obviously, the first one from the spot, um, and the second one in uh, added time on the ninety minutes. So very good, and uh, it's a it's another positive result for for Dresden and a, a second win for Mike Valpurgis. 
you talk about um, relief for Musakone. It was relief for me being able to not say look forward when I was trying to do the introduction there, which is my third attempt at trying to get it right. But yes, it was a, a great day for all concerned with Dynamo and uh, more of what we really expected to see from them uh, under Uwe Neuhaus after the season before last. Um, they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, didn't happen for them last year. They finally got the change of coach. And are you a little bit surprised that Valpurgis has had such a positive effect? I think a lot of people, including myself, were quite doubtful of whether or not he could do what he wanted to do with this side and bring them on to a level that he couldn't do with um, with Ingolstadt. Yeah, I think the scepticism was quite fair. I mean, you know, his, his track record isn't exactly glistening with... Uh, positivity but um he came out he's obviously hasn't changed too much they've still got that real attacking edge and they they look very difficult to 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 stop going forward and through many patches of the game they were able to put Darmstadt on the back foot and um when they started this they actually the second half was you know some they played some very good football and the two goals they scored were um being able to win possession and then just quick transition going forward and, and obviously creating the chance in the goal. So, I mean, posit- they, they've looked very good under Valpurgis, a little bit more stable defensively, um, and also now they're taking their chances. So all things look up. It was a bit of a day to forget for Darmstadt anyway. I think had Sardar Dosun's uh, superb half volley not cannoned out off the underside of the crossbar. Uh, and made the game 3-2, maybe we would have been looking at a different scoreline. But nevertheless, it was a a fantastic performance by Dynamo and took full advantage of uh, what was a very sluggish Darmstadt side who maybe, in a sense, got a little bit fortunate, especially with how Patrick Ebert managed to get his goal. But nevertheless, you have to take these opportunities, and that's what Dynamo did. And the same can be said of Heidenheim's uh, 2-0 win against Greuther Fürth. Robert Glatzel got both of those goals, the first an instinctive header, and the second, Matthew, was a really, really good finish across the goalkeeper. It was, and it... Um... Yeah, he was brilliant when he came on and he changed the game. Um, it was one of those, as a manager, um, you know, you you want your substitutes to work and they did just that. It was a game that was evenly balanced and, um, yeah, Bobby Glatzel was, was superb coming off and um, coming on the coming off the bench. And, um, yeah, it just he just seemed to be a little bit more lively than, uh, than Patrick Schmidt who just, you know, just couldn't get himself into the game. But big three points for, for Heidenheim and, um, yeah, for, for Danny's beloved Fert and uh, a road loss. Um, you know, we know how poor how poor they've been recently over the past few seasons away from home. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it, feel, it might feel like a missed opportunity for them. They uh, had a lot of shots on goal, uh, but they didn't hit the target with any of them. So um, maybe they left their shooting boots in Fert. Yeah, it's not that far down the road, but um, for Danny it would be a little bit disappointing, and for Foot in general, obviously, um, as much as Danny is our reference point for all things Kleeblatt, uh, he isn't the club himself, uh, so we'll not pin too much on him, but uh, yeah, a little bit disappointing for them, and I'm sure uh, they'll want to make amends on Thursday night against Hasfell, that's going to be a big, big game at the top end of the table, but uh, one game which... Um, maybe flew under the radar a little bit this weekend, we had it in Group 3, was the, the game between both promoted sides, which Paderborn should have won. Uh, they could have won us very, very easily, but 
for some reason and somehow Magdeborg managed to come back from behind for the entire game. They were 2-0 down, 3-1 down and 4-2 down. But in the very last minute, Philip Turpitt steps up, scores a penalty to make it 4-4. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was an extraordinary game. And um, yeah, it's a massive point for Magdeborg. Um, you know, they're still looking for their first one of the season, but um, they showed great character. I mean, they they were up for the fight and you could tell that despite going 2-0 down early, I think seven minutes in after a Tobias Muller own goal and uh, Bernard Tekpati, um, strike. They, um, you know, they didn't drop their heads. They they kept pushing. They kept looking for to get a goal back. And every step back, they'd have to, you know, pick themselves up off the canvas and try again. And yeah, I think that's a, it. Shows great character that they were able to get back to to four four. Um, but yeah, for Paderborn, it's it's a it's an opportunity they were rue. They they didn't put the game away. They they allowed Magdeborg to believe and and uh, they duly, you know, found a way back and uh, leveled the, the ledger. Paderborn could have gone uh, into fourth place and uh, overtaken Furt had they managed to hold on uh, to those three points, but uh, it just wasn't happening. They only would have been two points behind Köln at the top of the table. But nevertheless, it's been a very, very bright start for them. Maybe not defensively, the 12 goals conceded, but uh, with 15 scored, they are just one behind Köln in that regard. Uh, what have you made of Paderborn? We've talked uh, a lot about Magdeborg in recent weeks. Uh, they still haven't won, as you said. But uh, Paderborn almost remind me a little bit of Kiel from last season. Would that be fair? Yeah, they look extremely good going forward. I mean, the the signings they've made, um, you know, I'll harp on Bernard Tekpati any day of the week, A, because he played for Schalke. Um, but he's looked very lively, and I think he's made their attack more dynamic. They have looked, you know, I don't know how you can make an attack more dynamic when you scored 90-plus goals in the Dritter Liga last season, but... Um, yeah, they, they just look very hard to stop going forward and they're able to create a massive amount of chances in every game they play. So I think if they can tighten up defensively, um, they have a real good shot at um, not only being like kill, but um, you know creating havoc for teams like, like Köln and Hamburg uh, at, at the top of the standings. That is for sure, and uh, two teams who would very much like to be creating havoc at the top of the table are Duisburg and Aue. Aue picked up a huge, huge three points in this one uh, very late on. They were behind, of course, Kevin Voltz's penalty close to halftime had given Duisburg the lead, and uh, they had been good value for it in large parts. Then... I will get a penalty of their own. Paco Testwood puts that one away. And then Mario Kvezic pops up with a wonderful individual goal going across the goalkeeper into the top corner from 20 yards out. Just what we want to see, uh, unless you're a Duisburg fan, that is. And that was what won the game. And it was that individual moment of brilliance that proved decisive. Matthew, do you see the 2-1 as a fair result? Or was maybe a draw what you were not only expecting, but what... Duisburg had maybe earned for themselves. Well, I had Duisburg winning, but um, well, they just they had a few unlucky chances that counted off the crossbar, or they they just they just didn't have the luck. And um, yeah, the pressure's on now. Uh, entering the English week, they really need they really need a win. Um, it's uh, it's getting hot in the kitchen, and um, you know Zebra is very much on the menu. So yeah. 
very disappointing, but don't take anything away from our. They were able to do enough in the sense that they have Mario Kvesic, who, you know, produced obviously a wonder goal and and uh, some in, in a wet day in Duisburg, um, you know, it kind of sums up the mood for, for MS Val, who are really, really struggling. Yeah, it's going to be a, a difficult English week for them, that much is for sure, especially if they can't get a couple of points on the board through it. And I think then, as you say, we might well see the end of Ilya Gruev's time in charge. But I think we have to give our credit where it's due. Um, they didn't have a great start at all, but Daniel Meyer in recent weeks has really turned things around, and you can see the emotion on his face when they do hear that full-time whistle, and they have got all three points. Some coaches are very, very reserved, but Daniel Meyer was straight across to the far side of the pitch, off celebrating with his players. He seems to have really galvanized this side in recent weeks. Yeah, and you love it, don't you? I mean, you know, it's he's a young manager. He comes in. Um, they don't start the season particularly well. I mean, I think in the first four games they had a, a draw at home to Magdeburg. But yeah, resilience—they've shown great character. I mean, I think Martin Manuel is is always a big part of our in terms of his goalkeeping. He was either he was quite brilliant on the weekend once again, and and um, yeah, I think they just they they just show they've got a lot of fight and. In them, and, and I think that's just like Daniel Meyer. You can tell that you know, despite the adversity at the start of the season, he's able to galvanise the troops, and they, you know, they kept pressing. And you know, obviously, getting the brilliant goal to win is, is one thing, but we know how how um, how average they are away from home. So every away win is really important, and um, the way they did it, very impressive. And now it's time to give you our thoughts on what's coming up on Match Day 7. And while we've gone into a little bit more detail than perhaps we would have wanted to as well when looking back at Match Day 6, this is going to be short and sweet, we promise you. Uh, Given that we are going to be recording another podcast on Friday morning, the morning of a game, uh, we're going to try and keep the previews a little bit shorter because... um, things are coming thick and fast at the moment and uh, we think if we can at least review what's gone on in some detail for you that can cover things as well and we will be back to normal service come next tuesday so don't worry about that but for now it's time to concentrate on match day seven and look ahead to thursday night's game actually so we're starting with the one furthest away after i've made a big deal about saying how tight things are it is greuter foot against Haas. foul matthew how do you see that one going no you you think we'll get a response from hamburg obviously they were uber poor against regensburg but also Furt will want to you know bounce back from there Disappointing display against Heidenheim. I, I lean towards Hamburg, but it'll be very tight. I think we could see a similar game to maybe uh, Furt against Dortmund in the Cup, and um, perhaps it'll be a case of Furt trying to sit back and, and trying to counter Haasval, who will have more of the, the ball. We've seen it work before for teams. We've seen it work at the weekend for Jan, so that could be exactly what plays into Foot's hands in that one. Uh, we've also got Union against Holstein Kiel, which uh, should be an absolute cracker as well. Uh, Matthew, are you leaning towards a home win with that one? I am, but only just. I mean, you know, Berlin have drawn their last three games, but, um, you know, 
you know, a, a night, a midweek game. I mean, it'll be a, a boisterous crowd. Yeah, I think they'll be up for the challenge. And, you know, for, for Union, they'll be hoping that Sebastian Anderson can refine his goal-scoring form. Yes, that would be a big, big thing for them, especially given the the draws that they've picked up this season. They are still unbeaten, two wins, but four of those have been draws, and I think um, come the end of the season, they'll be hoping to convert a few more of those draws into three points. Uh, Keel, I think, will give this a good go. I actually think I have this down as a 2-2 draw. Uh, I'm very much placed on the fence, and I'm firmly on the fence for this next fixture as well. Darmstadt against Armenia Bielefeld. Matthew... Uh, it's going to be another tricky one to call. All of these English Week games are fairly well balanced. Yeah, lucky us for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, Darmstadt obviously giving up four, which is extremely rare uh, under under Dirk Schuster. So, I mean, it'll be back to basics for them. They, they'll uh, want to tighten up, but also, you know, give a bit of service for uh, Serdar Dursan, who, you know, didn't really see a lot of it. But when he did, he, you know, created good chances. Um, yeah, it's a good opportunity to return back home and um you know get the three points i think darmstadt will get the better of bielefeld uh it'll be interesting to see who does come out on top and that one could give them a little bit of a momentum boost after uh, a tricky couple of weeks for both sides and uh two sides who have been enjoying a decent upturn in form recently are bochum and dynamo dresden do you think the trip to bochum a long long journey from eastern germany uh will take its toll on dynamo and their fans or will this be a case of i was there in bochum when dynamo picked up three points and continued to climb the table it might be the latter i mean they've looked rejuvenated under michael porgus uh, they have found their scoring boots uh six in three games which is good um, yeah, they'll challenge Borkham. Uh, we know that Borkham aren't exactly a team that creates a lot of chances, but they have been obviously a little bit more clinical in front of in front of goal. And um, yeah, I think this one has Goldfest written all over it, so I'm looking forward to watching this one. First, I have Danny slagging off Torada, and now I have you saying that Borkham are going to lose for the second week in a row. I can't trust anyone at the moment, but we will move swiftly on from what will hopefully be three points heading for VfL Bochum, but I'm not quite sure either, so I can't say much myself. Uh, Köln against Ingolstadt, uh, what we would have had down is, you know, one of those games where uh, a win for either side will help shift promotion uh, hopes in one way or another, but Matthew, it's quite the opposite for Ingolstadt. Yeah, we'll see if the interim manager can get the best out of it or get something out of them. I mean, a result would be good for them just to get a bit of positivity in the in the dressing room and, um, yeah, just improve upon, you know, some very ordinary performances which they've brought up. But, you know, Kern obviously are on a mission for promotion and I can expect the Billy Goats will show no mercy. That they will. And uh, I think that's going to be... Uh, an interesting one, especially if uh, Ingolstadt can name a manager by uh, the time that one kicks off, and uh, maybe that will be a motivating factor to really put in a great performance. Of course, going to Köln and playing at the Mungersdorfer Stadion is motivation enough, but uh, the chance to impress in front of a new coach, uh, that won't be taken lightly. And uh, what we had down as our final game of Group 2 until we grouped everything together was St. Pauli against Paderborn. So FC SP against SCP. Good luck trying to hashtag that when the game comes along. But um, Matthew, do you see Paderborn continuing uh, what has been a very, very solid start to the season or can St. Pauli get another home win? 
it's a tough one. It's one that I've probably sit on the fence for. Um, we know that Paderborn are quite good away from home and, and they've shown that they are very dangerous going forward. I think having Christopher Avivore back in defence has obviously made a massive difference as Marvin Knoll can play that destroyer role in midfield, which he does so very, very well. Um, yeah, I think they'll cancel each other out, but I, stu- I do expect it to be like a 1-1 two- a one- one or a 2-2 two- two and uh, good quality football all around. Hopefully it's a seven all just to um, keep the goals coming in. Um, one team who weren't short of goals on match day six were Magdeborg. They welcome MSV Duisburg. Is this when we finally see Magdeborg pick up their first Vita Bundesliga win? Oh, I, t- <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, both teams have the mo- ooh, should have the motivation to go and win it as they're both winless. Um, yeah, I think this is another one that might end in a draw, but. Yeah, it's a good chance we might see plenty of goals in this one again. And um, yeah, I, I can imagine that if if Duisburg do lose, um, yeah, it's going to have massive ramifications for Ulia Grove. And uh, another game where the uh, away side are under plenty of pressure to get a result is Awa against Sandhausen. Not the same pressure on. Keenan Kochak as there is on Ilya Gruev, but Matthew Sandhausen are going to have to try and get that first win sooner rather than later. Yeah, and it's a tough place to get a point. Um, you know, our generally are very, very solid at home, and um, yeah, it's it's going to be very tough. It should be one of those games where taking your chances will be the difference, and as we've seen with Sandhausen this season, they've had some very high-quality looks, but they haven't been able to convert them, so um, if they can't do it now, I just can't see them getting anything out of this game. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky one, that much is for sure. And uh, last but not least, it's Jan Legensburg against Erste FC Heidenheim. Matthew, who's going to win this one? Uh, I'm going to back the draw. <laughs> I'm going to back the draw in this one. But, um, you know, both coming off really positive wins. I mean, Regensburg were desperate to get a win. Um, and they got that at the hands of Hamburg. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a draw, but a very good watch. You'll see Regensburg hammer on the counter and uh, maybe some schnatty magic as well. We will see. And that is going to wrap up a very short or shorter uh, episode of the Zweite Bundesliga podcast. We will be back again on Friday, but until then, please enjoy what could be a very special English week. Hopefully, the goals continue to flow as they have been doing. 70 goals across the last 18 games, and uh, long may it last. Uh, Until Friday, have a lovely week, enjoy the football, and goodbye. Goodbye.